Project Redemption. Our episode this week is with a returning Redemption Press author, Michelle Rolfe. Thank you for being with us today, Michelle. It's always a delight to be with you. So great to see you, Athena. And we are going to talk once again about your book, Losing Her, Finding Me, A Mother's Story of Estrangement and Self-Discovery. And I'll tell you what, the moment that I heard from Michelle, the topic of her book, I knew this was going to meet a huge need. For those who are tuning in and did not hear Michelle's last interview, I would love for our listeners, those who are watching on YouTube, just to hear a little bit of the backstory of how God just got a hold of you as a person, just when it was the game-changing moment that Jesus does in our lives. I would just love to hear that story from you. So let's just start there, Michelle. If I start at the very beginning, it would be, I was born and raised in a very small Mormon town as a non-Mormon. Really, the only religion I knew was Mormonism. My parents were not religious. They were both raised in church. One is a Episcopal, I think, and the other one is a Baptist. And they talked about God once in a while, went to Easter and Christmas, sometimes at church, one of those families. So my real religion was from Mormonism. But there was something in me that knew that it was not the way I should go. I don't know why, but I just did. And when I was eight years old, everyone gets baptized when you're Mormon. So I went up to my mom and I said, I want to be baptized. And she said, she sent me to a Southern Baptist church. I went through six weeks of classes and I was baptized. I think I was 10. I was about 10 by the time it happened. There was an old black Bible in the basement and I would grab it and I would read it. And it was interesting to me and I wanted to know more about it. But because I wasn't discipled and because I didn't go to church, there was no fruit in my life. Like it didn't grow the way it could if I was in church and I was around other believers. Fast forward and I get married, I grow up, I get married, I have a baby. But after I divorced my husband, I was working, I went back to the job I was at before. And there was a woman and her name was Tina Kleinschmidt. We would walk around the neighborhood at break and she was a Christian. And she would talk to me about these midweek Bible studies and all this stuff. And I would, and I remember asking her, what is, you do church like on, on Wednesday? What, what is that you're doing? You know, I was just like so confused. And she explained everything. And then one day she said, Michelle, do you want to, I believe I was saved at eight or 10, right? But when I really feel like that my life started to change was in that Volkswagen bug. And we sat down and she led me to the Lord again. And I, from that time on, I saw my life catapult. He moved me away from my family. He put me into a very small church where the women took the time and the patience and the love to disciple me and mentor me and bring me up. 
and call me, call me on my sin. Mm. And um, one of my favorite things that makes me laugh to this day is my friend Joy would say, Michelle, it's not about you. That's not about you. Well, what about what I want? And she'd say, well, it's not about you. It's about God. What does God want? What's his will for your life? So that kind of discipleship and mentorship is what turned me. It wasn't like this, ah, now I know God is right. But I know that that time in Missouri was my desert experience. And it was, are you going to follow me? I'm going to give you a really good chance now. I'm giving you discipleship. I'm giving you church. I'm giving you everything you need. Are you going to choose me? And I I chose him. Mm, I love that. And your life changed when it, it's funny how yes. different degrees of surrender happen mm-hmm. in our lives. But just says something for mentoring and discipleship and, you know, women pouring out into the younger believers and those who need to grow up in the faith. And you can't just do it on your own. I have a real passion for mentorship now because of that. Sometimes you have to say the tough thing. And I remember Joy would say, because I'd be in tears by the time she was done with me sometimes. And she, we've talked about it later. And she's like, yeah, I kept wondering why you kept coming back. And and it's because I so wanted the truth. Hmm. I wanted to grow. I, I knew there was a life for me in Jesus. And I so wanted it. Share with us your favorite scripture and and how it came to be your favorite scripture. Uh, it's 1 Peter 5.10. It mm-hmm. says, But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And at that moment, when that scripture dropped in my head, I was miserable. I had married my husband that I'm married to now. We had another baby. I had moved to Arizona. We were alone. My husband was traveling all the time, so I had no friends. It was, I was miserable. And he gave me that scripture and the word settle Hmm. just stood up and said, here I am. I can settle you. Keep your eyes on me and I will settle you. God knew was that word settle because my thought life was so ugly. I would, I hated myself and I would say mean, shameful, awful things to myself. And all I ever wanted was to be settled and Mm. to be calm. That is one of my fave all time favorite scriptures. Because it's just so, after you've suffered a while, <laughs> that does come first. But yes. he is that God of all grace that we need in the middle of that. We've all got stories in our lives where God has taken situations that have been really painful, really hard, really a struggle. You know, we don't usually see it when it's happening. It's usually we look back and go, wow, God, how did you bring anything good out of that? You know, based on Romans 8, 28, where we know that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So 
I would just love for our listeners to hear, just share with us one that gives us a little bit of insight into how God has taken those hard things and brought good out of them. So one of the hardest times I had was when I went through the estrangement with my daughter because I had put my entire identity into her. So when she walked away, she took everything I was with her and I felt like I was nothing. It was the hardest thing I have ever done because it wasn't only losing her and my grandkids, it was also losing any identity I had. Mm. One day I was hiking, I would go hiking by myself and I was crying out to God and I was just yelling at him that he needed to fix this. Mm. And I couldn't, I, I remember telling him, I, I can't imagine how you can make good out of this. How can good out come out of this? I, how does good come out of my daughter leaving me, my grandkid, well, at the time, just one grandchild growing up without knowing me or my husband, who's an amazing man. And I just don't get it. I don't get how you're going to do that. He never answered. <laughs> it just was me complaining. And I'll tell you something, Athena, through all the pain and all the hurt that I went through, I realized one morning that it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but it was also the best thing that ever happened to me. And I never in my wildest dreams could imagine that that could be for my good. And it was, and it was for her good too. God is so amazing to me because he does that. He can take <laughs> the worst things and make you know, good that make them good. And I'm always amazed. It's a miracle. Well, and the, just the fact that he gave you that experience so you could comfort others with the same comfort Jesus gave you as you were trying to figure out who in the world you were without your daughter and without that relationship as everything imploded in your life and you came to realize that you had built your whole world around her and your significance was in her as opposed to Jesus and what he says you are. I was going up to a disciple, a young girl at a coffee shop and I went up to, and we were talking and I was telling her how Jesus is with her always and that God is with her always and that she doesn't have to strive or try or try to get him or be perfect or try to be good, that he was there with you, with her always. And I said, it's just like Jesus is sitting right here with us. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, well, Michelle, I am. And I burst into tears. I couldn't talk. I was, I have never felt that presence. He was right there. And mm. that is what God taught me was that I am right here, Michelle. I am your God and Naomi is not. For the Lord to be able to speak to you in those hard moments and for you to be able to respond to that and for him to do that work of healing in your heart and just walk with you along that way of questioning and doubt and who am I anyway? I mean, all the things that came along with that. And now for him to have used that situation to have you write a book, 
to have you minister all over the place and meet a felt need that is huge in our society. You look at that and go, okay, so that was a your estrangement from your daughter compared to all that he is doing there. Wow, God, who knew? Who knew? And that's the thing is, you know, because you can't guarantee, okay, someday it'll all be better. It might, it may not be. I mean, the grieving process that you have to go through as a parent or grandparent who has just all of a sudden been cut off, you have to grieve that loss and feel that pain. And that's a hard thing. It is so hard. A big thing we do is that was the parenting autopsy where we look at every single thing we did wrong and every no and every grounding and did I say the wrong thing and was I, you know, and some of the times I've even said this in the comments, it's like, you know what, I was not a perfect parent. I, I, I parented while my dad and sister-in-law died in the same morning. Mm. I parented through thyroid disease where I could hardly walk for a year. I parented. It's not like we have perfect lives and we can be perfect parents or even good parents all the time because we're human beings and life happens. Moving into uh, a little more focus on on the book and the resource it has become to those who find themselves in a similar situation to you. So tell us just briefly the main message of your book. My whole reason for writing the book was to let people know they aren't alone. Mm. I felt so alone. I felt like no other parent was going through this. I want them to see my journey. I want them to see the morning and see how I handled it because it wasn't pretty. (laughs) And I, you know, I I want them to see how God showed up for me, how God showed up in other people and in him just coming to me himself uh, through my husband, how, and then I, when it finally happened, when I said, I am not going to die here. I'm in a fight for my life. So what is the first thing to get up off the couch, stop eating the chocolate? What's my first thing? Uh, For me, it was to make an appointment at the gym so that I would have to go and put on the, you know, at least get dressed once, three times a week. And that just led to the next thing and the next thing. And I put that all in the book. And those are the people I recommend my book to when they're stuck when they're so grieving, when there's no hope, when they feel like that they cannot go on. Mm. Those are the people I say, I think my book might help. Mm. When your reader closes losing her, finding me, they just finished the last page. What is it that you want them to walk away with? I mean, I hear you say, I mean, hope is, you know, kind of the overarching sentiment, but Tell me what else you want them to walk away with. That their life matters Mm. and that they have a purpose. And God gives everyone one life. 
they gave one, he gave one life to the, their children and they have every right to live that life as they choose. He also gave us a life. And that life was not only as a parent, that life is to live out our purpose, our passions, what we love, the people we love. We have every right to have a very full life. So move on. Let's do it. Let's go on. Let's yeah. fight for this life of yours. That's what I want people to get. When they close that last that last page, I want them to say, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So give us just a brief, uh, just a few of the highlights that you've seen God do with the message over the last almost year. I've seen, you know, I've I've been able to be part of a parent estrangement group. Those are starting to crop up. The, the thing with estrangement, Athena, is you feel like you never really win. I guess the win, honestly, is the fact that you will live your best life. And I am, I do have the opportunity to talk to people about keeping their hearts open, to, to forgive, and, mm -hmm. and to forgive that child even before they come back, that, to understand that they're on their own journey. Mm -hmm. They need to work stuff out. And if we can find compassion, walk a little bit more in their shoes, be able to say, you know what? They're just trying to work it out. I, I'm, I love them from afar and they're doing their best. And that's, you know, to be able to release it and go, okay, God, this isn't catching you by surprise. You're not up there in heaven looking down going, oh. I did not see that coming. No, if he's allowing that, he didn't make it happen. He's not the author of division and, no. you know, that kind of separation. But if he allowed it to happen, then he can bring good out of it. That's why I really encourage people to look at themselves and to work on themselves. Yeah. Because it's usually not just a one-way street. Right. And so, and I, I'll say that to him. I'll say, Hey, you get healthy, you find your life, you be the best you, you can be. And when they come back, they're going to be shocked at how amazing you are. Here you, you know, go. We all have, we all have healing to do. So yeah. let's do it. It's a wake up call. It's a, okay, here's your opportunity. Instead of pointing the finger at them and look what they did to me to say, Lord, what is broken in me that needs to be healthy and, and show me how to navigate that. Yes. Mm, I love that. Well, my friend, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, if we have some folks uh, tuning in that want to connect with you, where's the best place for them to do that? On Insta, Michelle Rolf, on Facebook, Michelle Rolf, my website's Michelle Rolf. <laughs> uh, my email is Michelle Rolf writes at gmail.com. Okay. So I'd love to, you know, please connect. I'd love to see you. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. It has been a delight as always. Yeah, great seeing you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you bet.